0: Hi, you are now listening to a sermon from Harvest Community Church in Hoffman, Estates, Illinois. Today you will hear a sermon from Pastor Frank Pizor. So without further ado, here he is. Good morning. It's a little more fuller than I had expected with two teams out for missions, one in Rhode Island and one in Albania. Um, Today I want to talk about the necessity of apology, and I I want to start with a survey and... uh, You know, I know I asked for raising of hands, but maybe even um, if you want to talk a little bit back to me, not talk back like in a bad way, but just talk to me, that'd be great. But I have uh, two surveys. The first one is this. How many sermons have you heard on your need to forgive someone? And how many sermons have you heard on your need to apologize to someone? Okay, so on the forgive ones uh how many let's just throw out some estimates you know josie how about you start us off it looks it looks like you raised your hand oh you didn't oh, okay Casey, don't move <laughs> lesson learned from the baptism don't move <laughs> you want to take a guess at it though yeah oh any the whole your whole life all 21 years two dozen so about 25 or so we'll say evenly okay and how many of you heard i needing to apologize to someone Yeah, isn't that interesting? 25 to nothing. That sounds like the White Sox against the Cubs with the Sox winning. See, now you all need to forgive me because forgiveness is important, right? Uh, Anybody else? I want to throw something out there. Anybody? Patty, would you just... Don't move. (laughs) Anybody? Yeah, I, I think the reality is if you look at it, we hear more sermons on our need to forgive someone who has offended us And rarely, if ever, do we hear a sermon on the person who has done the offending. Bro, sis, you need to go and apologize to someone. It's so, so rare. Second survey, though, which I found is interesting. If you had to write down right now, sit down and make a list, who needs to apologize to you? So if I gave you like 30 seconds, uh, start scribbling down. If you're like me, what's going to happen? Man, thirty seconds. Come on, man! Give me another thirty seconds. But the second question is, who do you need to apologize to? And you know what scares me is many of us go, I don't know who do I need to apologize because our emphasis is often on looking at ourselves and how people have offended us, and not necessarily how we have offended other people. Now, I know at retreat, uh, Pastor Mark he had a message on the lack of forgiveness and how it is a barrier to unity. Absolutely agree. But I think there's one thing you might have missed, and that's the necessity of apology. I believe maybe even a more insidious barrier to unity in the church is when people do not apologize for the wrong that they have done. And I don't mean apologize to God. I I mean actually you've offended someone to actually go to them and apologize and say I've done something wrong to you. I have offended you and I'm sorry. And the reason I think that it is insidious is because many times we sit either in ignorance or with no desire whatsoever to go and apologize because the other person has done something wrong to us. And that scares me because it's a huge Huge barrier to unity when we sit here and we have conflict in our midst. Now, I know very few of you, I know Elder Chris would know this for sure because he's a little bit older than everybody else, but how many of you remember Fonzie from Happy Days? Wow, a bunch of old people here, man. Yeah, Fonzie, I don't know if you ever remember the episode, but there was, where there was a point where he did something wrong and he couldn't apologize. He kept saying, I was. I was. He couldn't get it out. And I fear that a lot of us, as followers of Christ, are in that place where it's really hard for us to say, hey, you know what? I've offended you. Just straight up, without giving excuses, but I have done you wrong. That's not easy. It's not something easy because, in a sense, what it requires of us is to humble ourselves and admit that we've done something wrong. Now, Before I go further, what I want you to know is I may be preaching this way, but the reality is I'm preaching this way. Uh, This is a sermon that I need to hear, and that's why I'm giving it, because I need to hear it, and I think that there's others here in our midst that need this as well. So today I want to look at the necessity of apology, and I'm going to read a unique version of scripture which I've shared with you before. It's called the multiverse. Not to be confused with Dr. Strange and all the other stuff. So can we put up the multiverse there for me? Or not? There we go. All right. You can all see that, right? <laughs> Dude, if you're like me, i sitting in the front row. I saw nothing of what Dan had out there. My eyes are, are so bad. So I will read it anyway. It goes like this. So, if you are presenting your offering, your gift, a sacrifice in other words, worshiping, at the altar in the temple. And while you are there, you suddenly remember that your brother or sister or just someone has something against you, such as a grievance or a legitimate complaint, whether intentional or not. Leave your offering or your sacrifice there at or before or in front of the altar and go. First, go and make peace. Be reconciled with your brother your sister, that person, and then come and present your offering, your gift, your sacrifice to God. That's the verses that I want to look at today because I think what it deals with is not that you need to forgive someone, but that you needed to be forgiven by someone. Now, what's the context? The context is important. We find that in Matthew chapter 5, verses 21 and 22. This is the New Living Translation. I didn't do anything with this one. But Jesus says, you have heard that it was said to the people long ago, You shall not murder. And anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with a brother or a sister will be subject to judgment. Again, anyone who says to a brother or sister, ha is answerable to the court. And anyone who says, you fool, will be in danger of the fire of hell. Now, I just want to summarize the context of what Jesus is saying. Jesus is basically saying, in your anger, (coughs) you may commit murder, In your heart. In your anger, when you say the things that you say, you may actually be committing murder in your heart. Now, Jesus is not saying all anger is bad. He's not saying that. For instance, on Monday, you should have been angry right around 12 p.m. when you got the news of the shooting, right? That should have made you angry, That is a righteous anger. And I won't tell you what my heart response was when I heard that, because it was not godly, nor was it Christian. It was angry, not good anger in a sense, but also good anger. So Jesus is not saying, don't be angry. Paul would even say, don't be angry and sin not. So there's a way to be angry and not sin. But Jesus is saying, listen, when you're in relationship to someone and you provoke them and say things that shouldn't be said, You have committed murder. For instance, uh, words like this. You fool. You moron. You idiot. You stupid imbecile. Have you ever heard those words mentioned anywhere in public discourse? Man, if you're old and you're on Facebook, you hear it all the time. Drop an F-bomb in there before it, and it adds emphasis to how angry you are and how stupid this person really is and how they can't make sense of the politics of the world that we live in. And that's where I think Jesus comes along and he says, there now, you have committed murder. I'll be honest with you, I'm a serial killer. I am a serial killer. I can give you instances of every member in my family and how not only in my heart, but with my words and even sometimes with my actions, in my anger, I have acted not inappropriately, but sinfully sinfully. That's an important distinction. Yes, maybe what that person did might have been wrong, but my response in turn led to a metaphorical sort of murder towards family members, the people that I say that I am supposed to love. I have sinned against them. You see, what Jesus is doing is he's connecting this anger (coughs) that you have And then telling you, this is serious business. When you do this, judgments are coming. And you're not going to like it because this is very serious. There's there's something that needs to happen. So, in the next few verses, like our multiverse, this is why Jesus says it's very necessary for followers of Christ to learn how to apologize. And remember, Matthew 5, 6, and 7 is kind of like Jesus' way of saying, if you're going to follow me, this is the plan. This is the blueprint. So, what does Jesus say? How do you apologize? Jesus starts with this. Next slide, please. Jesus would tell you, me included in this for sure, remember or recognize that you have done something wrong. Remember or recognize that you have done something wrong. You see, what's the image here? The image of this. Jesus is saying, if you're in the temple... You're offering your gift. You're offering your sacrifice. You're about to enter into the worship of God. You're about to meet your maker in a way that you say you honor and praise and worship him. And the thing about this that you have to understand is worship in those days is different from worship in our days. And here's what I mean. If I heard this verse, if you're in the middle of worship there before the altar, what's the picture that you form in mind of worship? The picture that I form is this. We're all standing around, we may raise our hands or not raise our hands, and as I'm looking around, I think maybe Ben over there is in the middle and he's thinking, hey, you know what, I've offended Marcus over there. And you guys are in the same small group, right? So, in the midst of this, Ben might say, well, you know, I'm going to get up and I'm going to walk over to Marcus and I'm going to apologize. Very simple, very simple, 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 simple process to do. But in those days, worship wasn't like that. It was done in the temple. So if you can imagine that you have this sacrificial animal with you and you're standing in line waiting to actually get to that place where you are in that place to then offer your worship and say, God, here's my worship, and then remember that you've offended someone before you can actually worship, what is Jesus saying is, you know what? You may have come this far, but now you got to go back. Now let's put this into context. How many of you have ever been to Great America or Disney World? Right? Ever been in those nice long lines? Uh, Universal Studios. We went over Christmas break. We, my daughter uh, Kaylee and I spent three hours in line to go on that Hogwarts ride. Three hours. Okay. Three. It kept breaking down, which I don't even know why. We stayed in line, but we still, you know, Man, we've been here for two and a half hours. I am going. We uh, at uh, Disney World. That um, quick Star Wars. The Star Wars ride. Uh, whatever the rescue mission thing. It was like two and a half hour wait. You get to that place where if you got to the front of the line and the guy said, bro, you're too tall. You're out. How would you feel? Oh, bro, I only waited two and a half hours. No big deal. I'll just go back to the line. No, we'd be angry. We would be furious. We would be frustrated. And then we'd have to go all the way back to the end of the line and start all over again. That would not make us very happy at all. Imagine this. Yesterday when I rode island team, got on the plane, and one of the team members goes, Oh my goodness, I've offended someone. Now when we think missions, you know, you're going on missions, you're going to serve God, you're going to tell people all about Jesus, all these wonderful things. But can you imagine, (coughs) you're about to get on that plane, and you have to go all the way home, And apologize to somebody for some wrong that you've done. That's what Jesus says you need to do. Jesus is saying, when you remember this, stop. Don't continue in worship. Don't continue on this missions trip. Don't continue raising your hand and singing. But stop right now and go and get this taken care of. Because right now your worship means much less to me When there's a broken relationship in your life. This is serious business. Jesus, you got to remember. Remember. And it's almost like this is an act of God. It's like all this to get here and then be told stop. You can't do it. So Jesus would tell us remember to recognize that you have done something wrong. (coughs) You have wronged someone. You have sinned against someone. And you need to make this right. Because really, Jesus is telling us sin is so serious, especially relationally, that when you come for worship and think that, wow, this is great, I'm really fully experiencing God, his response is, no, you're not. I'm not in that. This is important. This is serious. But then there's a second thing that Jesus would tell us, and it's this. He would say, leave your offering, (coughs) and I'm going to put... Attempt to make things right. Now, Jesus basically says, go and make things right. And I'm not saying that I'm smarter than Jesus, and I don't think Jesus is really fully meant to say every time. And you've got to sit there and argue with somebody. I've got to be right. I've got to be right. Because <coughs> going back to forgiveness, some people aren't willing to forgive. So 100% reconciliation, doubtful. But the point that Jesus is trying to make is, when you're in worship and someone you have offended... You go and make that right to the best of your ability. Do whatever it takes. In fact, the idea is, (coughs) when you suddenly remember, leave immediately. Now, could you imagine getting to the front of that line and you tell the priest, Hey, priest, listen. (coughs) Listen here, sir. I've traveled all the way from Galilee to Jerusalem, not a one-day trip, several days. And I've come this far, and I just want to worship God, and I promise I will take care of it in the end. I I, I guarantee that I will. And the priest says, sorry, it's not happening. It reminds me of this, I was reading one of the commentaries, and uh, the commentator said this, he knew a pastor who had an argument with his wife before he was supposed to preach, And as he was getting ready to preach, the Holy Spirit prompted him to go and pray with his wife. So the Holy Spirit's going, listen, you've got to pray with your wife. Before you preach, please pray with your wife. Okay? This is what the pastor said. He said, listen, I preach in 20 minutes. I will do it afterwards. And this is the line that got me. In his heart, the Holy Spirit said this. Okay, you go and preach. I'll stay with your wife. You know what that means? It means, go ahead, you can get up there and preach, but I ain't going with you. So you can preach all you want, and it can be the best sermon that you want, but the value, the worth, the power is less than what it could be if you would now go and get things right with your wife. You see, Jesus sees the importance of sin, and, and it reminds me of 1 Samuel 15 where the prophet Samuel turns and says, Listen, Saul, it is better to obey than sacrifice. What did Saul sacrifice? A lot of sheep and goats, but not all of them. And what was the answer? Thank you, sir. <clears throat> and what was the answer? Dude, it don't count, man. It doesn't have the value that it's supposed to. I'm going to spill this in the end, I know it. Do you get what I'm saying? Is Is, is apology necessary? Most definitely in the words of Jesus, because Jesus would tell us very clearly, wherever you are, when you remember that you have offended somebody, make it right immediately. Don't say until afterwards, don't say until later on, or maybe I'll get to it, or this person is hard-hearted. Whatever it is, if you have offended someone, stop what you're doing, whether it's worship, whether it's missions, whether it's ministry, and get this right. To not do this affects the unity of the body of Christ because there is not the peace as it is intended to be. Because when we're reading in Ephesians 4, what we're seeing is this unity is there, this peace that God wants in the body of Christ is absent because we refuse to apologize for the wrong Whether we feel we have been wronged or not, when we have wronged someone, we have simply wronged someone. Its value is lessened. It doesn't mean that it's not good. I wouldn't say, you know what, while you're feeding someone who is poor and down and out and say, well, you know what, give me back the food, I'll be back in a couple days. No, I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is the value of all of the things that we do when we have offended someone and not apologized is greatly lessened. Now, I have a vision for the church, which I shared back on September 12th, because I was looking at old sermons. And it's basically this, the broken body. And my short definition of this, the broken body is made up of broken, sinful people who need a Savior, who manifest His mercy and grace through the rest of the body of Christ being together because we all have the same need for mercy and grace. Quite simply said, you know what, guys? I am a sinner. I offend people. I hurt people, but you know what? I need mercy and grace. I need people to come alongside and say, bro, you've offended me. Let's get this right. Or I need to say, listen, bro, sis, I have offended you. We need to make this right. I have done wrong. I'm the one who's in the wrong in this instance. I was reading earlier this week of someone uh, from a book on peacemaking in a church, and the pastor asked this question in the partnership. They call it a membership because they don't understand the biblical meaning of partnership. Just kidding. But in this partnership meeting, what he says is, when or what will you do when I let you down? I would love to take a survey right now and say, how many of you have ever been let down by me? And if you'd be honest. If at least half the hands don't go up, I'd be shocked. I am a sinner who is in need of mercy and grace. Greatly. No ifs, no ands, no buts. What will you do with me? Will you just say, you know what, that's him. Never going to change. It's always going to be that way. Or will you confront? I would encourage you to crunch, confront. I'm going to finish with this. Two things I think need to happen. So I have here for what the offended person needs to do. Can we put that up, please? Great. Number one, listen to Pastor Mark Rowe's sermon on forgiveness from the retreat. If you've already heard it, listen to it again. Now you're going to like, bro, that kind of undercuts what you are just trying to say. No, listen to it again, because when someone comes to you and apologizes, which I'm hoping happens, that you remember what it is to forgive. <coughs> Secondly, don't expect an apology, but pray for reconciliation. It may not be immediate, and it may never come. But you, as Romans 12, 18 says, should pursue peace wherever possible. When I say that, I'm frustrated. The reason I say that is because some people, even if they know they're wrong, will not ever apologize. They will pull the Arthur Fonzarelli on you. They will not apologize. That's their issue. That's what they need to face when they face God. And he says, why? After all that I have done for you, for you not to do this, shocking. It is amazing ungrace. I don't even know if we can make up a song like that, but it's amazing ungrace to not want to apologize when you've done wrong. So (coughs) in your life, when this happens, (coughs) what should you do? I think we should pray. And what do we pray? And this is the scary thing because I do this a lot. I pray that God would bless the other person. And I'm going to be honest with you. At a point like this, sometimes I pray, God bless them. But not too much. <laughs> okay? I don't want them to be experienced in the goodness of life. I want them to suffer. But anyway, God bless them. I don't mean that. What I mean is when you pray, God bless them, if you can get to a place where, God, this person has offended me, they're not going to apologize. They don't care. Bless them anyway, God. Please bless them. Because Romans 2, 4 tells us it is the kindness of, of God that leads us to repentance. With the hope that as they are blessed, the kindness of God will lead that person to a place where they will remember that they have something, that someone has something against them, they will leave the altar and go and make it right. Third thing in the meantime, drop the charges. I said this years ago because I was in the middle of that struggle. Drop the charges, if anything, for your own health. <clears throat> To be honest with you, when I don't drop the charges, I have physical issues, emotional issues, and spiritual issues. Have you ever wondered why you're not connected with God? It could very well be because you haven't forgiven someone. This is truth. Not an easy truth, but it's a simple truth. Drop the charges. I was reminded this week of Jesus on the cross. He said, Father, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing it may be a reality that that person who needs to apologize really doesn't know what they have done. The conviction of the Holy Spirit (coughs) has not come upon them. They have not experienced God in a way that's going to bring them to the point where they will actually apologize. And so in the meantime, for your own health, drop the charges. What do we do for the person who is the offender? And I put in here all of us. I wish I could say you're all wonderful people, and you are absolute truth in many ways, but the reality is we are all sinners in need of grace. We have all failed somebody. There's probably someone out there right now who may very well be angry or hurt. And I look at it this way, like sometimes, like when you come to a church and uh, there's a variety of pastors that are there and you go, oh dude, that one's speaking today. Oh man, I can't listen to them, right? Anyone ever do that here? Did you, are you doing it today? Okay, just checking. All right, good answer. Either way. If you would have had to, I would have. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? When, it's, when that guy speaks, I can't listen because I had a bad experience with him. Where, where you're sitting there and everyone goes, oh, pastor so-and-so is so great. And they're sitting there saying, that guy's a jerk, man. If you only knew what he did, you'd know. You know what I mean? So what we need to do, all of us, listen now, all of us, we need to pray seriously, God, search my heart. You see, the conviction that this person in this story that Jesus is telling experiences is because God has said, you've done something wrong. And to come here and enter into worship and say, hallelujah, praise the Lord. When you've offended someone and you could care less about how you've offended them, doesn't cut it. Recognize you have sinned. Leave now immediately and go and make it right. So if you're sitting there thinking, I can't think of anyone that I've offended, then I would ask you to pray, search me, O oh God, seriously. Even as I'm looking out here, I can think of all the instances of certain people, not all of them, but instances of certain people that I have offended and need to apologize to. I want you to do this. Get it done yesterday. Pretty simple way of saying immediately. If you haven't done it yet, do it. Don't sit there now and think, well, you know what, I think I'm going to plan about this. It's a beautiful thing about Harvest Community Church. We love to plan. Sometimes the planning Needs to stop and the doing needs to happen. And I think this is a serious enough instance where Jesus would say, Stop. Stop your planning. Stop your strategizing. Stop your worship. Stop everything. You need to make this right. Do it now. And then I want to finish with this Apologize and do what is necessary to make things right. In other words, apology means coming to someone and saying, I have wronged you, period. You may explain why, but don't say, I have wronged you. Like if I were to say, Patty, I have wronged you, but let me tell you how you wronged me. That's not an apology. That may need to be discussed, But that's not an apology. Quite simply, Patty, if I have offended you, I have offended you. That's it. I'm sorry. Whether you apologize or not, that's between you and God. But I know God has said to me, I need to apologize to Patty. Which, of course, I don't think I do. But if I do afterwards, please feel free to come up. But do you know what I'm saying? That's an apology. My wife will tell you I'm really bad at apologies. Right, honey? Got an amen over there? Come on. She does. She's being nice to me. Like, you did this wrong. Ah, but let me tell you, sweetie. (laughs) You think, you know what I mean? I am not good with apologies, so I'm reading this, and that's why I'm telling you, I'm preaching to myself. It is amazing how easy it is for us to justify and excuse our sin because somebody else has offended us. Yeah, I, I I did you wrong, but you did me. That's not what Jesus is saying here. And I'm not trying to say that Jesus doesn't say don't have that conversation and discuss and reconcile because that's probably part of the reconciliation process. But the necessity of apology says, I have sinned against you and I'm sorry and how can I make this right? In October, I'll have been at Harvest for 18 years and I can tell you I have been offended often by people in this church. Even leadership. I had someone once say that I was the stupid pastor. Shocking. No apology ever. I don't even expect an apology. I don't even know if the person knows that they said it in a group setting and I heard about it. And I can sit there and say, that person owes me an apology and they better give it to me now. But then, it's like the Spirit of God says, bro, how about you? And that's when I begin to think, wow, how about all the people that I have offended while I've been here? Sometimes in trying to be funny, saying something that's very hurtful. This last high school graduation with the youth group, I had to apologize to Leon Eberhardt. He got up there and he said my jokes weren't funny. (laughs) Can you believe that? Where does that kid come up with that stuff, man? Kid's got no sense of humor, obviously, right? So I got up there and I said, bro, you're a good basketball player, but you'll never make the NBA. Who did that? Did you say, yeah, right? (laughs) Totally. Like, bro, what is wrong with you? You're almost 58 years old for crying out loud grow up, right? I had to apologize to him. I had to apologize to him. He goes, oh, man, it's no problem. It's no big deal. I know you were joking around. But you know what? The Spirit of God said, no, that's not funny. That's not funny. I guarantee I have offended people here. I would hope that you could come, but I know that most people won't. I heard someone say before, you know what, I don't go talk to pastors because you know what, it's never going to change. They're just going to justify it. Well, if I justify it, then you just remind me to listen to this sermon. And also, I want to say this much. If I come up to you today to talk to you, don't like, oh no, what did I do? Please don't be afraid. I need to apologize in so many ways. You know what, in reality, I want to apologize for this sermon. Why? Because I have an agenda, which is I do want to see unity But I also just want to see this world where we're willing to apologize to one another. It's here. It breaks the unity. We can be united in principles. Yes, we believe Jesus is the Savior. We can be united in purpose. Yes, let's get that building. Let's get into the community. Let's do something. But if we are not united in heart and mind and there are broken relationships that exist in this community, let's just throw out last week's retreat And let's forget Ephesians 4 because it is lessened in its impact when we walk around and quite seriously, don't take seriously the words of Jesus, which are when you have entered into worship and I bring to your mind that there's a broken relationship in your life and it's your fault and you don't do anything about it, everything you bring to me is lessened in value. It's not because God is being mean. It's because what he's saying is, I love you, I love them, I love the church. Come together in peace as intended to be, to be one body in Christ. And it doesn't happen when you come to church and you look at the church to see who's there and you recognize so-and-so is two rows up ahead and they have their hands raised in worship. And you're sitting there thinking, you rotten, stinking hypocrite. Don't you know you've offended me? Or when you raise your hands and you could care less about what other people think and how you've offended them. I believe apology is a very important and missing thing in the church because we don't know how to say sorry. Can you imagine how unloaded Instagram would be If church leaders would say, we did you wrong. If you know what I mean. Without saying anything about churches anywhere else in the world. If they would say, we did wrong and apologized and meant it. There are people who are living in our world who refuse to come to church. More so to be with Christians. Less so to be with Christ. But what they see is, this is what we get. You offend and then spiritualize your offense. This is a message that's very important. There are people in our world who are not in church today to meet Christ with the body of Christ because someone has never said, I did you wrong. This is serious. There are people, brothers and sisters, wandering, in a sense, lost, not bad people, good people, but because they've been hurt so much and no one will say, I'm sorry what do we get anger bitterness instead of the peace that god intends our church to have so i want to say to you when jesus says these words and let me finish just with this when he says so if you are presenting your offering your gift your sacrifice worshiping me at the altar in the temple while you are there you suddenly remember that your brother or sister or just someone has something against you, a grievance or legitimate complaint, intentional or not, leave your offering, your sacrifice, there before the altar and go. Go and make peace. Be reconciled to your brother, your sister, that person, and then come and worship me. I think it's pretty clear. I could be wrong, but I think it's pretty clear. Jesus says you can worship all day long. But if your relationships are not right, it's less than. Let's pray. Father, I want to hope that what you see, we would see as well. When I read your word, I'm convinced that you see in the church, in the body of Christ, flawed, sinful, broken people who do things wrong often and over and over and over again we need a lot of forgiveness and it's so easy to come and say God forgive me and trust that you've done so but I imagine there are many times looking at myself especially where I find your grace awesome but for me to give grace no thanks that person needs to pay first wrong wrong sin. And God, I can imagine there are people who sit here, even now, among us, whom I have offended, where we've offended each other. And I know what you see. You see sinners, broken, flawed, sinful, in need of mercy and grace, but also in need of stepping forward in humility and repentance, without excuse, quite simply saying, I wronged you. I'm sorry, how can I make this right? From sincere hearts, not from hearts that want to get something from you. So I pray, Father, a simple prayer. After the long one that I just prayed. In our midst today, if you have brought to mind someone that we need to apologize to, that we will stop turn around and leave this moment of worship and apologize Jesus this was serious you called it murder Jesus you know I am a serial killer not just with my family friends people here at church so many different places not cool Pray for all of us to have the courage the strength and humility <clears throat> to be willing to say please please forgive me I've wronged you and I want to make it right may that sort of attitude be always in our church not just hey you need to forgive hey you need to forgive hey you need to forgive but more so hey I think the beauty of the Pharisee and the tax collector. When the tax collector says, Oh God, I don't deserve this. Why? Why? And then Jesus says in this parable, who goes home? Who receives the grace? The one who receives the grace is the one who humbles himself and says, I am flawed, broken, and sinful. God, I don't deserve this. You look at that heart and say, Now you're worshiping. Now you're worshiping. And I pray that we would be worshipers. That we will obey more than just give sacrifice. That we will pursue peace as much as it is in our power with everyone and anyone. And that we will not be peace breakers, but we will be peacemakers. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the sermon from Harvest Community Church. If you would like more information or have any questions or comments, check out our website at harvest-community.org. Thanks for listening.